We hope you enjoy this message and that it encourages and inspires you. For more information, head to lifepointwithanee.org.au. Morning, church. How far did you have to walk with parking this morning? You deserve a medal. Thank you so much for being flexible with all that's going on out there. And I hope you didn't get heat stroke. Those guys and ladies and gentlemen, they're out on the uh, tunnel lights like gold medal. That was, I was one of the ones that endured it in here for a while. Uh, but uh, you guys were legends out there. Thank you so much. So Father, as we come around your word, we just pray for your presence to speak to us because we so desire to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember as a kid, uh, now you need to forgive me if I've actually done this message, all right? I'm recircling a couple of messages this time of year and you've probably forgotten anyway. So uh, if you remember anything, just go, oh, I think I remember that. Otherwise, forget it. Uh, yeah, that'll, yeah, sometimes we need to hear things twice, right? I remember as a kid of about six, year, six years old being so impatient to be allowed to go to our church's boys club. You know, Baptist churches had... Uh, boys Brigade, we had a thing called Boys Rally. And my four older brothers had all gone and they've been going through it and they come home and their shirts are ripped and their buttons are gone and they've got black eyes or they're lost. So it was like, I cannot wait to get there. <laughs> like as a young boy in those days, that looked so exciting. I remember it coming around where I turned because you had to be seven. I remember being seven and it coming around and I jump in the in the backpack of the station wagon because there's like 10 kids in the car. I'm in the backpack bouncing around with no seatbelt as uh, one of the leaders of this boys club pick all the kids up and we go to boys club and we played things like mat ball. Mat ball is where you've got a medicine ball and there's two teams and there's a mat at each end and the idea is just get the ball on the mat. That's all you've got to do. And it was hero status. If you could get that ball and there's boys coming around you and they're pulling your shirt. Like it was seriously hero status. At the end, you've lost all your buttons. There's high fives. And I go home and go, Mom, I've lost all my buttons. Well, she quickly showed me how to sew buttons back on. <laughs> so I can do that now. But that was awesome. Also, there was one called Brandings. You get the old pews and you line them up on either side and you kind of turn them on their sides. So they kind of forts. We were using tennis balls. And the idea is you've got to toss, peg tennis balls at each other. And that's where I got my first black eye. Mom, I got my first black eye. I could have lost my eye. But there was something about this boys club that helped me turn from a boy to a young man. You know, coming home with those ripped shirts and those black eyes. And uh, I remember breaking a finger or something once. It was like... I think I've made it. I think I've grown up. I think I can, especially even map ball, you can take down one of the big guys. Man, it was hugs. It was stacks on. It was awesome. In life, there are transitions all over the place. You know, not just when you're a young boy or a young girl. You know, all the way through high school, there's these transition moments where we learn something and we transition. We learn something and we transition. I can't remember the last time I built a car track in the sand pit. But at some point, I transitioned and I stopped doing that. I can't remember the last time I lined up all the old garbage bins and built a ramp to try and jump over six or seven garbage bins. But at some point, I didn't do it anymore. And I transitioned. I can't tell you the last time I wet the bed. 
<laughs> played chasings, kissed a girl behind the toilets, played all night computer games, ate 12 pieces of pizza. But at some point there was a transition and I left those things behind and I moved on. And the Christian life is no different. There comes a point in our journey where school's out. We've finished high school. There's still plenty of learning ahead, but we're no longer kids. The building blocks of what it looks like to be followers of Jesus have been learnt, they've been implemented, they've been uh, set in our heads, in our hearts, we've been taught them, and it's now time to live them. And I remember someone once telling me that most Christians are about a thousand verses overweight. Yeah, we got the knowledge, we understand it all, we know it all, we can rattle off a thousand verses. But have we implemented those? Have we transitioned from baby Christian, childhood Christian, teenage Christian into maturity? If you made a quick checklist of all the things about following Jesus, you already know. How much of it are you living out day to day? Forgiveness, generosity, grace, humility, servanthood. Following Jesus is not about how many sermons you can listen to in a week. It's not about even how many quiet times can you do in order that you gain more and more knowledge of what the Scripture says. It's about what are you doing with what you're hearing? What are you doing with what you're learning? Are you transitioning? When Paul writes his letter to the church in Colossae, He's been told by the church pioneer Epaphras that some false teachers had come in and they've been teaching these baby Christians some really odd teachings about worshipping angels and obedience to these useless rituals and uh, silly rules. So after addressing some of those teachings, Paul then says, you know what? I need to remind you guys you've gone under a transition. That stuff that you used to listen to, that stuff you used to try to implement in your life, you gotta leave that behind. It's time to move on. It's time to grow up. It's time to be the mature Christian that we've been teaching you to be. And in Colossians chapter three, it says this. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above not on earthly things, for you died. As Christians, you and I have undergone this huge transition called resurrection with Jesus, a spiritual resurrection. And there can't be a spiritual resurrection unless there's a spiritual death. Something, someone has to die. And Paul says, when you and I decided to follow Jesus, something died. And the thing that died was the old governing self. Do things my way, how I want, my rule book, my instruction manual, my little black book. I am doing away with that. I'm choosing to kill, bury it six feet under, and I'm choosing a spiritual resurrection into something new. That's exactly what baptism that we're experiencing down at Cotton Tree today after church is. 
death, six feet under, those people on stage, I've chosen a spiritual resurrection. I've chosen to kill the old self in order that a new self might resurrect. I remember going to Bible college and they took us to a crematorium. Do you remember that at Mauling? And they took us to see our first dead body. And uh, for me, I'd never even had death in my family. So I go into the crematorium, this man is lying in the casket, the casket's open, we all gather around. And I remember seeing that no life, like it took me by surprise, to be honest. No life, it's almost so hard. I saw one the other day when I went to a a funeral um, out west of me, just the, the body there, no life. There was a transition that happened where this soul, living, breathing, being that God had created suddenly was just a shell. Nothing. Silence. No thoughts. No emotions. No feelings. Nothing. Paul says, you and I have gone under a transition of dying to our old self. It's deceased, buried, departed, extinct. There comes a moment where we've got to leave it behind. Leave behind the silly and useless rituals that we grew up on. Leave behind the superstitious beliefs that have got no founding in Scripture. Leave behind the behaviour that might be okay for others, but it's not okay for us. Leave behind, move on. But some of us are like spiritual zombies. We continually resurrect the old self and keep walking around as though we breathe life back into it. We may have died to self, but we keep allowing it to birth. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know the thing that just keeps on breathing and you try and, like a toad. And toads, no matter how many times you tread on, they just keep on Sometimes our old self is just like a toad, isn't it? It continues to leave and breathe, but God says, you've left that behind. But that's not the end of the transition. Even though we've died to self, we've been raised with Jesus. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. If you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Holy Spirit power, this is like, Holy Spirit power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you to give you everything you need to live the resurrected life, a different life, a rebirth life, a second chance life. But in order for that to live and breathe, we need to be recalibrated. Paul says, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. When I uh, first eyed off Beck over there, it's interesting how she caught my eye. And I hadn't seen her before. But from that moment, I began going into the foyer at some point and just looking, seeing if she was there. And if she wasn't there, I knew she was in kids' church, so I'd wander out the kids' church to see if she was there. 
And I was a bit shy, so I wouldn't talk to her. I just wanted to see if she was there. And it was about Christmas at Life Point's time, so she was on popcorn, and I used to do a bit of a drive-by, take a Slurpee. <laughs> In the subtle way that I tried, just to show, hey, I'm interested. She reflects and says she had no idea. Obviously, it was a bit too subtle. But it's interesting that a change of mind changed my behavior. Like, that's what happened. Like, you know, for those of you, and as many of you who have fallen in love, it changes everything, doesn't it? It changes how you spend your money, how you spend your time. Change of heart, change of mind, changes everything. You cannot live the resurrected life unless you recalibrate heart and mind. You can try and live the resurrected life, but if you're still thinking the same and you're still in your heart the same, then there will be no resurrected life. There'll be just the zombie life. If your heart pre-Jesus was set on bitterness towards someone for something they did to you, it's an old way of thinking. It's an old heart pursuit. Jesus says you've got to bury that. It won't work anymore. If your heart pre-Jesus was all about the qua, all about the money. Jesus says it's an old way of thinking. It's an old pursuit. That kind of thinking doesn't work anymore. You've graduated, move on. If your heart and mind was focused on filling your house with stuff, it's an old way of thinking. It doesn't work anymore. You've grown up, move on. If your old way of thinking was about your own agenda and how to spend your own life and how to work your own retirement, Jesus, that's, that's your old life. Bury it, get rid of it. You can't live the resurrected life if it keeps on zombie appearing. Do you need some recalibrating? Is there an area in your life where you need to change your heart posture so that your behavior will follow? I mean, I could probably rattle off a dozen. I could probably rattle off a dozen and sit down and go, God, I'm so overwhelmed of how much heart I need to change in order to kill that stuff, in order to live the resurrected life. Can you think of one? If you had to really use that Holy Spirit power to bury something, what would you bury that could help you mature and grow up in your faith? It's interesting that Paul says here, I've got a friend. It's awesome. It's interesting that Paul says this, Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That place where Jesus is now seated, it is in the room, the, the room of the, the throne room of the universe. It's that place where God controls the planets and he makes the sun come up in the morning where the waves and the tides are held back and allowed to come in. It's where young fetuses are molded and shaped where thoughts are given, where Holy Spirit power is breathed, 
where animals are formed and fashioned and given birth, where creativity and ideas for humanity flow down from the throne room of heaven. And Paul says, whatever your heart is set on, set it on that stuff. Set it on stuff that comes right from the throne room of heaven. Set it on stuff where it, it, uh, it flows and it rains down from the thoughts of God. When I was in, in Canada, um, we had about a quarter of a million dollars in a budget that was there just for uh, renovations and building and that type of stuff. And the church was a large church of about 1,300 people, but everyone left straight after church. In church, gone. And so I said to the team, I said, look, do you reckon we could try and strategize and help to help people stay a bit longer? Because if they can stay, then they can neck and they can encourage each other. We can build community. And I thought, what if we make really good coffee? I mean, coffee helps people do community a bit better. So they gave me permission to employ some architects. And I spent about $6,000 on architecture uh, fees to design a beautiful cafe that would great, make great coffee and uh, these tasty little treats that people could purchase after church and just hang. Now I thought there was like light bulb moment. I thought that is gonna be awesome. Until after I had made the plans, and I took it around to people and I took it around to staff to kind of you know, get some enthusiasm for the $60,000 spend it was gonna be. One of the other pastoral team said, you know, we don't like that kind of coffee. Like we're just happy with filtered coffee. What? Filtered coffee? Yeah, yeah, just put it in the pot, make it filter down. If it's free, people will stay. So I'd scrap the $6,000 budget, put out filtered coffee and they stayed. I thought that was ridiculous. But what my mind was in was the realm of Australia where I thought that worked. I hadn't transitioned my thinking to a different realm called Canada. I just thought everyone was Aussies. Everyone loved their good coffee. But it's not true. Only the refined Canadians love their good coffee. <laughs> the rest are happy with filter stuff. Zig Ziglar said, you can't fly with eagles if you keep walking with turkeys. That's not to do with the Canadians. <laughs> it's to do with our thinking. If we keep thinking like our culture, if we keep taking on our cues and our leads from our newspapers and our news on TV and the stuff we watch on YouTube and the stuff we read in magazines, we keep taking our cues from then we will never live the resurrected life because as we keep saying together, I hear it all the time, there feels like there's no greater season than this season where culture seems to be up against what the church stands for. And it gets harder and harder to decipher amongst all the information what's Jesus' heart in all this? I know what culture is saying, but what's Jesus' heart and all this. It is such a battle to be a follower of Jesus. And I've kind of been rehitting it over the last two weeks. It is such a battle to be an all-out follower of Jesus. But I love what it says in Philippians 4. 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, anything's admirable, if it's excellent, it's praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you've learned or you've received or you've heard it from me, says Paul, just if you've seen it in me, put it into practice. And you will live the resurrected life. You will live the graduated life. You will live the transitioned life. You'll live the life that Jesus said, as we said last week, that's the life that is full that he promised when you live the resurrected life. I am so grateful, as the team comes up, I'm so grateful that the Holy Spirit has not left me alone to live the resurrected life. Are you so grateful that He hasn't left you alone? That it's not about how hard you work. It's not about how hard you're gonna try. It's not about failure and success. It's about listening to the Holy Spirit and following His leading. And He's so gentle because He'll just work on one thing. He doesn't take you from kindergarten to year 12 in one go. Let's just, let's just move through the years. Let's give you this life lesson. Let's do something over here. Let's use that circumstance. Let's bring that verse to the surface. Let's keep on bringing that to your heart and your mind. Let's give, keep on giving you opportunity to hone that. You go through the years more and more until you're living more and more the resurrected life. One thing I wanna encourage you is be patient with yourself. Be patient with yourself because God's really patient with you. Don't beat yourself up. Don't live under condemnation and shame, but live in grace as you mature in grace. If my kids who are maturing had to live under shame, and guilt because they didn't mature fast. What a horrible way for our children to live. Instead, our, our, we as parents are patient with them as we understand they've got to grow and develop into maturity. God's the same with you and I. He's so patient with us. But lean in and listen. The Spirit wants to lead you to life that is full. And it's not the old life. And if I asked you and you were all honest, and I said, does the old life work? Can you raise your hand if the old life works? Most of us will put up our hand and say, well, yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes it does, it feels good. Does it give you the life that you really want? Nah. It's those moments where you're in tune with the Spirit and He's speaking to you and He's leading you and He's molding you. That's when we all come alive. I wanna encourage you, don't fly with the turkeys anymore. Let's mature into Christ because that's where life is found. So Father, we do, we rest in Your Spirit who wants to lead and guide us and breathe life into our dead old selves. We thank you that you are patient with us. 
that you're gentle with us. You're full of grace and mercy. We know we're at our best when we are found in you. Help us today. Help us tomorrow as we lean into you in Jesus' name.